Welcome to Pilates 101, the podcast where we bring you the latest and most up-to-date information on anything and everything to do with the Pilates industry to help you build your dreams and your businesses right now. Hello everyone, my name is Glenn Withers, one of the founders of the Australian Physio and Pilates Institute, and it's my pleasure to speak to you again this February month. And um, I don't know about you guys, but certainly for me, uh, it's always nice to see the back of January. Uh, we're here in the Northern Hemisphere in the in the UK, um, and it's a, a bit of a long, cold, dark old month, January. So uh, for us, it's, it's nice to see the start of February and uh, even a few little buds starting to show up in the gardens over here. Uh, for our friends in the Southern Hemisphere, you've obviously been enjoying your summer and uh, I hope that you did get a little bit of chance to get away from uh, whatever sort of life and world it, it was that um, you were in and, and head to the beaches and get some sun on your skin and have some nice time with your families, which is such a, a valued experience right now. And so we come on to episode two for 2021 and what an episode we have for you today. I'm delighted uh, that I am joined by one of our most favourite people in the world, our APPI licence holder in Australia and founder of Unite Health, Sarah Todd, will be joining me later in the podcast. We had a great chat last night reminiscing on many things in relation to Sarah's uh, work with us here in the UK, um, working in APPI here for four or five years here, and then her experience as a uh, entrepreneur and opening her business there and the growth of it to where it is today, which is a hugely successful business right across Australia. So that's coming up for you later in the podcast. But let me uh, talk, first of all, today about some positive things that are happening in and around our world. I'm determined to make this as COVID-free a podcast as we can. Um, And so we had a really great event last weekend. We ran our first APPI Wellness Day through our clinical business. And the purpose of the Wellness Day um, is one of the big focuses of Elisa and myself is to ensure that we give back to the communities that support us um, and to the communities in general. Um, And so the uh, project, the charity, the organisation that we have been supporting of late is a place called the Felix Project. And the Felix Project is a phenomenal organisation that basically take unwanted food or um, food that's going close to expiry date, etc., from supermarkets Um, and repackage that into food parcels for those less fortunate than ourselves and for those that need that help. Now, over the month of December in our uh, clinical business, we committed to donating um, a certain amount of money for every block purchase that people booked in our clinics. Um, And then we raised some money on Just Giving Page and other elements as well. And so we were able to um, help fund um, I can't remember the exact number, but something over 10,000 meals for healthy Londoners. Um, and it really, as a, a, an organisation, gave us a lot of pride, the support that our team gave us, the support that our clients gave us, and that we were able to support 
such an amazing uh, charity drive and, and help those hungry Londoners over the Christmas period. So we decided to continue our work to try and, and help those uh, hungry Londoners out there, especially during this time. And so Elisa came up with the concept of this wellness day and it went ahead on Saturday, just gone. Um, we had um, we made it free to NHS workers and we had over 50 NHS workers join us for the day. We uh, constantly, um, in our minds and in our thoughts, the amazing job that our colleagues in the NHS are doing and likewise all around the world, I am sure. And so we had a, a lot of um, fun in, in, in joy in, in seeing them get some benefit out of the day. And it was great to see the team come together as well, um, led by Elisa and the sort of vision behind it and the drive behind it, which was amazing to see uh, her be able to pull off this event while homeschooling five children and managing everything else as well. I do take my hat off to you, Elise. Um, and I guess I just wanted to share a little bit about the day because I myself learned some really cool things along the day as well. So the day started with a wake up flow yoga from Marianne, who's one of our amazing yoga teachers at our Wimbledon clinic. So she's uh, online as well and doing a whole lot of classes for us. So um, if you'd like to join Marianne for classes, then uh, have a look at our Mind Body app and look at Marianne for her yoga classes at Wimbledon. And uh, then we went on to a running talk from our running specialist physio, Alex Parford. Again, uh, he's at our Wimbledon site um, and Alex is a, a wealth of knowledge. And isn't it amazing when you work day in, day out with people and it's not until you go on and you watch them virtually do a session, you realise that he's training for an ultramarathon. Madness, Alex. But it does go to show your expertise in the area. Um, and a little nugget that I took out of Alex's talk was as a, uh, let, how do I phrases as an aging athlete let me say that as an aging athlete i uh, enjoy my triathlons and I, I very much enjoy running um, but like anyone i struggle with those niggles and um, alex had some really great little nuggets around the importance of plyometric exercise and something as simple as skipping um, you know three lots of 30 seconds and build it up to a bit longer to increase that tolerance into the achilles tendon and around the calf that many of us suffer with so a great uh talk um, for Alex there as well, which was really cool to hear. Um, and then we had a super popular teacher that works out of our Hampstead Centre, Louisa. Uh, Louisa's amazing. She did a fab, fun and feel-good Pilates class. And so people um, joined that. We had uh, over 80 or so people joining that, uh, that session, which was great to see. And that was followed up by a fascinating talk by our Women's Health clinician at our Wimbledon site, Cassie Wiles. And Cassie did a session on breath work. And I'm going to come back to that in a moment because it is the, the concept around breathing and breath work that um, I'm getting more and more fascinated with and I'm seeing and hearing a lot of people getting really interested in this topic as well. So I'm going to come back to Cassie's session in a moment. Um, and then uh, Inga, one of our great teachers, a um, sports and rehab therapist from our Hampstead Centre, did a great map Pilates session that got people really working quite hard. And that then sort of took it down the level with a stretch and release class from Sophia. She's now one of our rehab therapists at the Wimbledon Centre um, and a, a lecturer at uh, the university down there as well. 
And then we finished off with a relaxation yoga session from Selman, who is again one of our amazing yoga teachers there at the Wimbledon Centre. And I noticed that actually Lise had our two older kids redoing that class just last night to get them involved as well. Um, so it was a really cool day. Um, I believe links are being made available to purchase as well, ongoing for you guys that uh, weren't able to get to any of those sessions. So keep a look out for the communications coming through from them. And we have, due to the demand, we have a new one coming on the 27th of February. Um, a similar sort of lineup, a few additional, some changes in there, but a similar sort of concept. Um, again, helping to support the Felix Project, free to NHS workers, although I think uh, many of those slots have already been taken up. And we have a small amount of paid for slots as well. Um, it's a nominal fee for the day. Uh, top of my head, I really should know this since it's going out on a podcast. Um, I think it's around £25 or so for the day. Um, but uh, check on to our social media, um, follow us at, at API Clinics, and you'll get all of the information on there. So we hope to see as many of you on that day as we can, because it was a really, really cool day. Now, let me talk about Cassie's session and breathing. So Cassie, I take my hat off to you. Really, really interesting session. Now I've been looking at a little bit of breathing stuff on a a separate project we're working on in relation to long COVID and and how we can help manage long COVID rehabilitation, um, which is a program that will be coming out in the not too distant future as well. Um, But let me first of all, just take a step back before I go into exactly what Cassie taught us. Let's Let's just look at some of the benefits of breathing. So what does breathing help? Breathing clears brain fog. Now, this is something that I need a lot of clearing right now at the moment. And so I am really using some of these topics and some of these techniques that Cassie taught us on the weekend. I've been using just over these last three days and they're really, really good. It helps with our energy. It helps with our stress resilience. Just a little bit of breath work, a little bit of focused breath retraining can help our ability to handle stress. And my gosh, is that something that is beneficial to many of us right now? It can help our exercise tolerance. And the more that we learn how to control our breathing, the more that we can build up into our exercise tolerance as well. It can lower your heart rate. It can lower your blood blood pressure. It can even improve diabetic symptoms, which is a fascinating concept. It has the ability to reduce depression, to help us better manage chronic pain, to better regulate our body's reaction to stress and fatigue, that stress resilience that we're talking about. And it even has the possibility of helping or reducing burnout for caregivers, which again is a very topical uh, issue right now. But what was interesting is just how much we breathe every day. Cassie was telling us about this in the session in that we breathe 18 to 20,000 breaths a day at the rate of around 12 to 15 breaths per minute. But how many of us actually take a bit of time to think about that? Imagine any other task we did throughout our day that we did 18 to 20,000 times and how much we probably would be conscious of that, would be thinking about that. Yet breathing, the simple act of breathing, we don't. And isn't it Fascinating when you look into it further that Joseph Pilates himself said no one really knows how to breathe properly and therefore we need to be retrained. Hence, why breathing 
is one of those foundations of Pilates. So yet again, here we are in 2021. I am becoming more increasingly fascinated with breathwork. There's more and more evidence on the importance of breathwork. And there was Joe yet again, decades and decades ago, teaching us this anyway. I am continually impressed by how far ahead of his time that man was. But let me get back to breathing. Now, um, Cassie's session is a fascinating talk. It's a 30, 35 minute um, talk that you can look at. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm keen to hear from many of you in terms of if you'd uh, like to see us take it a step further and create more breathing workshops for you, because I think it's something that uh, many of us could learn a lot about. But there um, was a few little important things. One of those simple things is the concept of nose breathing versus mouth breathing. And how by having the importance of breathing through the nose gives us a much cleaner, much more useful oxygen exchange in our bodies. Because of the nose hairs and the alveoli and the different elements of breathing through our nose, it cleans the air as it comes down into our body. And therefore, that simple act that we're doing 18 to 20,000 times a day can be made more healthy simply by being a little bit more conscious of whether we breathe through the nose or the mouth. Now, what I'd like to do, because I'm not going to take too much of your time here, I'm not going to make this a full breathing podcast, but we will do that. I think I will get Cassie on here if she's up for it, and we can have more of a chat about breathing and breath work, and she can talk you through a few little techniques. Um, But here's one little technique that I found really useful at the moment. And it is a concept of a two in to one out breath. Now, let me tell you what this is, and we can do a little bit of an experiment together. We're going to take about two minutes of doing a two breath in, one breath out motion. Now, just take a moment now, um, you know, and if you are driving, listening to this, maybe it's better if you pull over to the side of the road. Um, And if you're out running, maybe you can stop running or, or just slow down a little bit. And if you're out walking, then maybe this is perfect for you as well. But anyway, let's let's try this together. The two out, two in, one out method. Now this is a nose breathing exercise to help reduce your stress levels. So what you're going to do is you're going to take a deep breath in through your nose. Then right at the end, when you think that you've taken that deep breath, you're going to take another shorter, sharper inhale. And then out. All the way out. At the end of that out breath, you're going to take a four count pause. Okay, so we're going to do a two in, one out breathing method. Here we go. Breath in. Again. And out. And we pause. One, two, three, four. We breathe in. A little more. And out. And we pause, one, two, three, four. And again, we breathe in, and again, and out. And we pause, one, two, three, four. And again, we breathe in, and again, and out. And we pause. One, two, three, four. Last time, breath in. 
and again and uh, one two three four whoa what do you think have a think about how you feel what does your body feel like be conscious of that heart rate maybe be conscious of that connection maybe even the fact you feel a little bit more present just in that almost what was that one minute of breathing focus that we did so i can't stress to you enough about just try this out investigate breathing um, reach out to the institute info at appihealthgroup.com and they can uh, point you in the direction of cassie's workshop um, but really really interesting stuff cassie talks about uh, an alternate na- nostril breath um, process as well which is is really fascinating but um, probably better if you see Cassie do that one than me try and talk to you in this sort of more auditory medium that we have here my experience um, you know I've been getting you know there's a fair amount of, of stress in all of our lives right now and I've been battling with some some headaches and different things that um, you know I probably haven't been managing in the healthiest of ways and when they're getting a little bit much for me just adding this breath work in over the last three days really has helped from my own personal experience in relation to just managing some of, I guess, those stress-related headaches that uh, are taking over a little bit. So, look, I think it's interesting. I think it's pretty cool work. So um, have have a think about the importance of your breath. Maybe just try it. Spend the next few minutes or a few minutes every day just giving that a, a bit of a try. All right, um, guys, the uh, thing I'd like to just touch on now before I hand you over to Sarah Todd and the fascinating chat that we had about uh, her journey through working for us and then running her own business and the concept of how she's actually been able to double her business just in the last two years is, is really remarkable and we get some great insights into what it takes to, to function at a high level the way that Sarah has um, but just before I go on to that, a quick shout out to another organization that should be really conscious to our minds this week. And that is the Place to Be charity. It's Children's Mental Health Week. And you know, as many of you know, I have five children with my lovely wife, Elisa. And it's very clear this last year has been challenging for all of us and the mental health of our kids really has been challenged as well. And I think, you know, taking some time to recognise that and be conscious of the mental health of our kids is a really important thing for us to do. So it's Children's Mental Health this week. Um, if you go on to childrensmentalhealthweek.org.uk, there's an option for you to donate there to the charity as well. But there's some really fascinating um, sort of concepts out there. And in 2021, the charity is talking about the concept of allowing children to express themselves, um, about finding ways to share feelings, thoughts, or ideas through creativity. That could be through art, through music, writing, poetry, dance, drama, photography, film, and doing activities that make you feel good. And I would suggest that that includes exercise and Pilates as well. So um, it is fascinating about... um, some of the uh, issues, if you like, around um, 
mental health for our kids. And some of the statistics there from a parent's point of view is quite interesting that almost a third of parents admit they would feel embarrassed if their children wanted counselling and 34% feel other parents would judge them. And that's according to brand new research from Place to Be. Um, It was a survey of over 1,029 parents of children aged 5 to 18 years. So despite this greater awareness and successful sort of anti-stigma campaigns, there's still a lot of work to be done clearly here. And so maybe it's just that that time to, again, be conscious of our kids' health. Um, Things like the breathing and and spending some time with your kids' breathing, the importance of exercise. Um, You know, I read a a study many years ago how parents' exercise exercise habits dictate children's exercise habits and how the adult and the parent's relationship with exercise is effectively reflected in their children's attitudes and approaches to exercise. So I think that's maybe something for us to to be conscious of as well. Um, If you are working with children or are planning to work with with a lot more children, then making sure that these sessions are fun and targeted is a really important part of that as well. Um, We have our uh, kids and teens courses going ahead. We have them on the 23rd of May. Uh, these are live streamed courses and the 18th of September, or you can get onto the website at appahealthgroup.com and we have the online kids and teens program there that might just give you some more guidance about how to work with kids in the medium of Pilates as well. But safe to say, it's Children's Mental Health this week. If you uh, have the ability in any way to support any organisation out there that works in this very important area, then it would be a pretty cool thing to do so. And so for now, really, that's enough on this side. Let me introduce you to my good friend, to a uh, colleague of mine and a person that Elisa and I hold in the utmost of respect. Sarah Todd is a, a very successful female entrepreneur running her own business in out there in Australia, runs the APPI license and is a real um, sort of beacon of energy, of optimism, and of innovation. And she really is one of those people, when you you run a business for as long as Elisa and I have, you come across some really special individuals um, across the years. And Sarah is one of those really special people we were privileged to have in our business for many years, and we're privileged to have as an ongoing partner through the license program. And I think her story and her insight and the lessons that she's learned over um, her time from working in corporate health to um, undertaking uh, multiple qualifications and exercise uh, physiology qualifications, Pilates teacher training qualifications, the full 500 yoga, 500 hour yoga qualification, and now her Masters in Business Administration as well. She's an absolute gem of a person, and I hope that you enjoy my chat with APPI license holder in Australia and Unite Health founder, Sarah Todd. All right. Well, guys, I am very excited to welcome to Pilates 101, um, one of our favorite people in the world, someone we've known for a long time now, um, to 
Today joining us is founder of Unite Health in Australia and the APPI license holder, Sarah Todd. Sarah, welcome to the podcast. How are you doing? Thank you, Glenn. Very well. Um, yeah, in or not too sunny Melbourne, but yeah, nice to, for it to be summer here. Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure. I tell you what, it's going to be a lot warmer than it is here by uh, a good 20 degrees or so. I'm sure we are covered in snow most of the uh, country here right now, so... <laughs> I think we'd all rather be uh, in your climate, to be honest with you. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, well, guys, for those of you who um, aren't aware of, of Sarah, Sarah um, worked for us here in the UK um, for many years and then ran the business for us here in the UK for many years before going on and helping us set up the product company. And then uh, when her time in the UK came to an end, she headed back to Australia and took over APPI in Australia for us as well. So I thought what um, would be really fascinating to speak to Sarah about on the podcast here is a a number of different things that I'm sure you guys are all interested in. Um, One in terms of you know coming from Australia to the UK and that whole experience and what that was like for you, Sarah. Um, but then I think the bigger picture here that I would like to explore, I guess, is um, you know being a a woman a woman in business and you know on your own and the challenges that that uh, has or hasn't brought to you. But I know um, you know that speaking with Elisa when we were talking about having you on. Um, you know, Lisa was very keen to sort of explore, you know, just, I guess, the lessons learned for you and, and what sort of advice you can um, sort of part uh, onto some of our listeners as well, um, because it's, um, you know, it's a pretty amazing journey that um, you've, you've been on. Um, so let's, uh, let's delve into it then. And if I guess I can, um, why don't you just give us a little sort of elevator summary, if you like, of of you, sort of where you grew up, what you did sort of through high school and then sort of how you ended up coming across to the UK. Perfect. Um, So I am originally from Melbourne, Australia, so still living back here now. Um, And I think even probably when I was younger, I was always kind of very passionate about health and fitness um, and through high school played a lot of sport, um, in particular netball, and that probably really led to me... um, doing a university degree in health promotion um, and also doing my fitness instructor training when I was uh, probably 19. I did my aerobics instructor, so very old school step style, um, but just absolutely loved it. Um, And that was probably my passion, did aqua teaching. um, I think just teaching group classes was probably always my specialty um, and what I loved and and that connection. So definitely group um, versus probably one-on-one. Um, And then that really led to me kind of working in corporate health after I finished uni and getting to the stage um, that then led to me kind of moving over to the UK and starting with APPI. So um, it was the first job interview I went for. So I was 24 (laughs) when I first moved to London. um, And I remember meeting Glenn um, in Kilburn and do you know what my takeaway from that first meeting was just being so inspired when I met you, your energy, your zest for life, your passion um, and enthusiasm. And I was like, oh my gosh, this job sounds, yeah, exactly 
what I've always been looking for. And it really was, it really felt this um, build a gap in, in what I was looking for kind of at that young and um, early age, starting out in my career. Um, and I, I just remember starting with you, Glenn, and, and in the first interview, you were like, I'm, I want someone to take this business and just grow it. And I was, yeah, very up for the challenge. Um, and it was kind of the, the best thing I ever did. And that was now, yeah, when 13 was or 14 years ago. Was it? Wow. Yeah, so Gosh, I okay. arrived in the UK in 2008. Um, so, okay. yeah, I think it was a, it, it's been an amazing journey, but I think definitely kind of yourself um, and everyone who knows you um, is you're such a huge inspiration. And even to, to this day, I miss kind of being in the office with you and, and the excitement and, and, and your passion at the end of the day. So yeah, that definitely led, led me there. Um, where I was, yeah, for four years. Wow. Yes, well, thank That's very, very kind of you. But I, I, when I think back on, uh, on that interview, I don't think we'd even opened to the Kilburn place yet, right? I think we were no, still in the old sort of, you know, four-desk shared office space. Um, did I even, did, did I show you on that first interview? Did I take you yes. across to the basement and say, this, yep. Yep. This, this is, is where, where we're be. going to create this, this vision I'd sold to you? Yeah, yeah, so the first interview where, where we're going to, yeah, set up the studio and you'll have the clinic and the education and even that was that kind of next step within the business. Yeah. Um, well, why don't we, why don't, I guess, why don't we explore that a little bit then? Because a, a lot of people listening to this will have been in, in that... Um, or a similar situation of uh, taking the leap and either working for somebody who's just setting up a studio, for example, or, you know, taking that leap and setting up a business for themselves. And I guess from when I when I look back from, from your point of view, perhaps as a, um, you know, a, a younger person coming into the UK and then into a business where pretty quickly we said, well, okay, we're moving into here and you're going to help me set this thing up. Um, you know, what are some of those memories you have about, you know, the, the challenges, I guess, or what it was like when we made that move from just a stationary office into the Kilburn premise? Um, and for those of you, um, you know, if you've trained with us many years ago, you may well have done some courses in the, uh, the Kilburn place that was a, a large uh, basement facility where we had the head office plus we had the clinic and then on the weekends it was the education courses um, but you effectively were there with us right from the start setting the whole thing up what are your sort of memories I guess of that process and, and how that was for you I think it was an amazing learning curve with like and I, I know you mentioned this um, in the chat about you, I guess you don't know what you don't know and like you, you kind of just dive head first into it and you're like, okay, cool, I'm just going to set this up. Um, and we did, I remember those like teething issues with setting up the internet and BT and just BT. trying to get things things sorted. And and you just, I guess you go in and, and probably being young, you go in with the attitude of, yeah, okay, cool, I'll fix it, I'll get it done, um, whatever it takes um, to get it done. But it's I think, yeah, huge learning curve, but has really set me up for my future with everything where you're just like, okay, cool, just I'll give it a go. You don't know, you can't do it. And so you'll just do anything till, till you get it done. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then we, I mean, we moved into into Kilburn and as you say, it's sort of, 
you know, at, at that stage, I know for Elisa and I, it was, um, you know, almost that rite of passage that if you hadn't uh, spent hours on the phone with BT banging your head against a wall, you hadn't really arrived in the UK yet. Um, hopefully not too many people out there work for BT. Apologies. I'm sure it's a better company now. Um, but that sort of, um, I guess, transition for you coming maybe from a more, you know, from a, you mentioned just there from a sort of corporate background, probably a you know, secure employment job. And then you sort of you pack, left home, so to speak, coming over to the UK. And obviously then you, you joined us from a sort of personal point of view and a lifestyle point of view. Um, I imagine at the time there was so much going on in your life, I mean, probably finding somewhere to live, finding a new job, dealing with all of all of that. Um, you know, what are your recollections, I guess, of moving country and starting a career? Um, you know, a lot of us that have come from Australia, come over here, we all have those, those moments where you think, okay, I'm going to pack it in and just go home. But that is the easy option, right? That's giving in. You know, I think you build character by you know, being resilient in those times. What, do you have any sort of things that have stuck out in your mind, places you were where you were wondering, is this the right thing? I think what really, I loved APPI and I still do obviously <laughs> to this day, but I think it was, I think when we first started out at Kilburn, it was like we were a family. Like yeah. it was such a supportive environment. We were a small team, like four or five of us. Um, and it, it really kind of gave me what when you're missing your family and your friends, like I loved coming to work every day. And I think we did lots of extra, like there was such an amazing culture. And I think that was probably one of the strongest things that there's, there's such a great culture there. It would do social activities. Um, everybody became friends that you work with. Um, you're just, you yourself and Elise are amazing leaders. Um, so I think that probably every time I'd come home to Australia for a holiday, I was like, but I love my job. Like, I'd, I'd finally found, and I think it was you, Glenn, potentially, who I'm never finding someone to believe in you and it's like to reach your full potential. Um, and I think that's what kept me there because I was just like, wow, I love this. And I have someone as my employer who really believes in me and wants me to succeed. And that is, that's definitely what kept me there. The weather is probably what made me leave eventually. <laughs> Every year, I was like, I just not suited. Yeah. <laughs> Even Melbourne's too cold for me. Like, I should be in, yeah, the Caribbean or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was it was an amazing kind of culture, and it's like when things are unstable in where you don't know where you're going to live, and you're trying to make friends. Like, it, it was a lot of stability. Um, the work workplace, which I loved. Yeah. Cool. But yeah, it was. It was fun. I will say that those those early early days, so to speak. Um, but I guess being and we had the office right there, and the studio was right there, and we sort of looked out those glass partitions to the studio, um, and and you uh, you decided that actually you wanted to explore both sides and actually become a Pilates teacher yourself. Um, so tell us, I guess, about your sort of introduction to Pilates what was it about Pilates that you you enjoyed and inspired and then you sort of took the leap to to become a teacher as well Uh, talk about that sort of um, process I guess I think originally 
when I tried the Pilates course when I first, or I, I attended the APPI courses when I first started to probably more understand kind of what the business was. Um, so I first went into doing the teacher training um, to understand kind of what, what we're, where we're selling as a business, to, to really understand the method. But like from the first weekend, I loved it. And coming from a movement background and teaching fitness classes, I just remember being blown away and I'm quite surprised I've never tried Pilates before. Um, I think, and, and to this day, what I love about Pilates is the mind-body element um, and kind of just mindful movement, which is which you get from yoga as well. Um, I know I go to a Pilates class, which I still do a couple of times a week, um, be it on Zoom with COVID, um, but it is, you are so mindful for that hour um, versus I might do like a, a cardio class and I think my mind is very busy and mm-hmm. all over the spot so I think with Pilates it's you get the physical benefits which we all know but it's definitely that kind of mindfulness um that I just absolutely love yeah. so yeah to then start teaching classes um which I love group teaching in kind of a, a method of exercise that is fun but just yeah I think physically and mentally are the biggest things from Pilates. Yeah, interesting. So I want to ask you ask you something that's just popped into my, my head because you and I have spoken about this in, in other contexts on the, the business side of things. But it's just, I guess, hit me that uh, you, as you said, you came onto our courses because you were working with the company and you wanted to understand sort of, you know, what we were selling, how the business was running, etc. Um, but what was it like? For you then coming from that sort of non-clinical background, coming into like learning that more sort of clinical rehab-based approach, because at at that stage, of course, we weren't running the the comprehensive programs and it was more of that that post-grad environment. How how is that for you? Because we get a lot of feedback, don't we, about, you know, what program should people be on and making sure they feel comfortable, etc. Yeah, and I think looking back now, so uh, back then it made me want to be a physio um, and I toyed with the idea and then I did another degree. Um, I did exercise and sports science degree because I thought about going down the path of the physio and wanted all that knowledge. I think now there's two streams of education. So the the clinical Pilates Ballad Health um, and the Pilates Comprehensive for those wanting to embark on a, a career in Pilates is, is perfect pathways um, because had I not worked from the company, the clinical would have been just too over my head. Uh-huh. Um, but I guess I was I could kind of absorb it and see, wow, there's so much amazing information and I just wanted um, more. And I think personally, and I, and I know so many people, I just loved learning. Um, so it was, it was, it was a opened my eyes to like, wow, the body and kind of anatomy and yeah, just, I never had any injuries previously as well. So I'd never even seen a physio in my life. Okay, that's good. Um, So yeah, I think it, I think personally I could take away what I I needed from it. Um, But yeah, I can see it's so amazing. We do have those two streams of education now because Mm -hmm. there are different, it's different skill sets. It is di- it is a different skill set, isn't it? And it's a different client base that that comes, and and the yeah. sort of connection of of those two skill sets, I think, is is what's working so well for everyone right now. Um, 
And that's what you, you touched on earlier as well, which um, I'd be interested to get your take on it. And, you know, of course, there's going to be a, a lot of physios out there listening to this. So we mean no offense here. I'm going to speak openly. But in my experience, let me start for you, Sarah. In my experience, um, often the non-physios can be very, very good at teaching group exercise. Um, and the physios tend to be maybe a little bit more um, focused on the one-to-one side, which, you know, for me as a physio, um, you know, makes sense. That's sort of how my training was. And actually, if I look back, as I developed my own Pilates teaching, you know, moving to group exercise was probably one of those more challenging elements that I had to learn a lot more. You mentioned earlier that, you know, group exercise classes was sort of your passion and that's what you enjoyed. Um, what was what was that like for you in terms of why do you think you yourself, even before you came across to Pilates, what was it that made you such a good group exercise teacher, do you think? I think, oh, do you know what? I think group versus exercises versus one-on-one, I've always preferred because it's probably less personal. I did dabble a bit in doing some PT clients and I think I didn't want to get too, like you, you do often when it's one-on-one setting, kind of delve into a bit more life uh-huh. <laughs> um, and things. And I, I think I just enjoyed group teaching a lot more because it, it was less personal. Okay. Um, that you, you're instructing a, a group of people. Um, and I think I love movement and flowing movement and did dance when I was younger. Yeah. Um, so that ability to be really creative with your programming. Um, I yeah. think I always really loved that yeah. you, you're designing your class, your, your class plan um, and flows and taking different elements. I think that's what I always really enjoyed. Yeah. Um, and what, yeah, about, what about personality, Sarah? Because you're a very vibrant, very energetic person. You bring great energy everywhere you go. How much of... How how much importance, I guess, do you think as a group exercise teacher it comes down to you creating that environment that people just enjoy being in your company and in your class and have the experience there, um, you know, in, in addition, obviously, to, to the quality of the teaching, but that sort of personality of a, a group exercise teacher, how important do you think that is? I think it's, it's 100% key. Because at the end of the day, like if you're running your own studio and you're a class um, and you're, t- you're teaching just predominantly classes, that's the reason where your attention comes from. Like people knowing, remembering their client's name, greeting them, having a chit-chat after the class, being personal. Um, it, it is, you don't have to be an extrovert to be able to be an amazing group instructor, but it is kind of showing your personality and forming those connections which ultimately will lead to a successful business because you'll get that retention element so um yeah i think i think the basic and we always say this on on the courses is just remembering people's names like people feel special they'll come you'll mention their name repeatedly during the class and you just met them and it's just like wow i'm going to come back i'm going to i want to see this instructor and i still to this day will have favourite instructors at my Pilates classes I go to and I'll just go to them or my PT group I go to or my yoga instructor. Um, it, it's definitely the person that, that yeah. you're following and you're going to. Yeah, I agree. I think it's one of those things that, um, you know, as, as um, teachers we all need to be really conscious of a little bit, don't we, about how 
you know, when you are teaching, you are on show a little bit. You are creating a, a uh, sense of occasion, if you like, for the people coming to your class, to your sessions, etc. Um, yeah. It's interesting you talk about remembering people's names. Um, we will, in, in future editions of the podcast, we'll get Kirsten Roberts on, who's our US master trainer and holds the license in the US. And I remember um, doing a seminar with her where um, she got everyone to um, introduce themselves briefly um, and then went back around and recited everyone's name in the class straight away. And I remember sitting there going, oh my gosh, that is very impressive. Um, And she does this whole name association thing that she links it with. I was talking to her afterwards about how she was able to do that and so yeah it is those small things make a big difference right one of those catchphrases we've we've had for a long time 100 percent. yeah i mm. think yeah yeah it's definitely the small things that that will keep your clients and yeah yeah, yeah class groups coming back for sure all right well look what i'd really like to start to delve into is obviously the um the time when from uh well, no, let me take one step back. I was going to talk about when you came back to Australia, but let me um, take one step back. Um, in your sort of final, I guess it was year or so over here, um, we sat down and I said, okay, I want to start a product business. Um, why don't we do that? And uh, Charlotte, ironically, who now runs the product business, um, moved into your role in education and you stepped across and started you know, running a product business i mean you know that was pretty much ground up sort of stuff right going where are we going to get it from china taiwan whatever trialing out you know i remember being in the office in uh cancer rise trying out like 10 different magic circles before we got the one we were happy with um uh, tell us about sort of that process because i effectively sat down and said okay we're going to start a product business i want you to do it for me um let's go What's your memories from there? Oh, Glenn, I was in over my head. I, <laughs> I, and it's so funny. I think this is probably being young as well, um, which you probably, when you're older, but you're like, ah, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. Um, it was very daunting. I think, obviously, again, just going into something, having no idea, having no one to go to, to be like, how do, what do I do? Um, I have no idea how you get suppliers, how you choose products. Um, so, yeah, it was a very huge challenge. Um, but I think and, – and something very different. Like I think some of the other highlights for me in the UK were like launching conference, mm. producing DVDs. Um, so this was kind of a brand-new challenge. Um, and I think ultimately what – who guided me and I probably would recommend this to anyone going into something brand new is there there was a gentleman um Simon Wright um and without him he had previous experience um kind of importing products um and he was definitely my guiding kind of light um because I had no idea (laughs) what I was doing and we went over to Germany together to a fitness conference and and then we kind of networked with suppliers and stuff so it was a amazing again learning experience um and like so pleased with kind of yeah the products are still kind of huge or like uh, doing so well to this day but yeah I think it was 
one of probably the biggest tasks put on me to date. Um, but yeah, so so pleased we could kind of get it off the ground and, and to see a success today. Yes, yes, for, for sure. Um, I guess if I take that little learning experience and then that will probably transition a little bit over to obviously you going back to Australia and starting your business there. Um, but Elisa and I, we often look back at when we started the business over here. Um, and so, I mean, we had very little idea about a lot of what we were supposed to do. I mean, we you know, took a lease out on the Hampstead studio and didn't even have change of use yet because we just figured, well, you'll get change of use. That's not a big deal. Um, you know, we then realized actually it wasn't guaranteed and we could have been in a whole lot of trouble. But we often look back and we think, right, actually, if we knew everything we know now, we may never have actually done it because we would have thought about it too much maybe and planned it almost too much. And there is an element, I think, going along that sort of entrepreneurial spirit of if you're having an idea or being brave enough to explore the idea or, or, or go for it. And, you know, in the last year or so, many people and a lot of people listening to this podcast would have had their lives turned upside down and made that as a chance to say maybe do try something themselves or do something they hadn't thought of doing before. Um, now, being as experienced as you are in having set up your own business here in Australia and it being hugely successful there, what's your sort of take on just jumping in and giving it a go versus being overly cautious and having every box ticked and, you know, that complete needing to know everything before you start because it's almost impossible in a way. Yeah, um, like definitely like looking at my experience and you guys would be the same, you can't plan it. I think you just need to be proactive and I think my kind of motto, like something is better than nothing and it really in those early stages of starting a business, it's like something is better than nothing because you could spend 12 months running a detailed business plan and nothing comes of it. Um, So... Uh, probably a key person for me and this probably goes back a key point and recommendation for other people is having a mentor um i my accountant um who's still my accountant nine years on after owning the business was also kind of a great business advisor for me and i was stressing myself out about writing a big detailed business plan and how much time it should take and you kind of download um from the internet, different templates, and it's, it's so overwhelming. Um, and he was just like, do a two-page bullet point of what you're thinking and and how this business could be viable. Um, so I think it it is a risk and you can never plan, but you need to give it a go. Like, that would be 100%. Like, I think all of us, we never want to look back on your life and have regrets and just be like, okay, you gave it a go if it doesn't work. And I always remember um, when I graduated uni at the kind of um, ceremony, the dean of the school was like, when you fail at something, that's when you learn. And I think Mm -hmm. I've done so many things in the business that you fail at, but you gave it a go and you learn. I wish I'd learned more in my personal life, but (laughs) in my business life, you make a mistake and you learn from it. Like you'll try something, you'll fail, you'll spend Mm -hmm. money on something and it'll go down the drain. But I think just, yeah, really instilling in people that you've got to give it a go. Like if it's that burning desire and burning passion, um, 
that's kind of what it is. Um, yeah. Your passion kind of will, t- will take you and, and you don't know if you don't know. You yeah. Don't try. Yeah. It is in- it- interesting, isn't it? Because I think that last part that you've said there is, I think, is probably the crucial thing in starting up any sort of business, isn't it? Is that passion and self-belief. Because if you don't have that, um, that's when I think it would be much harder. But you've got to have the passion in what you're doing and the belief in yourself that, you know, you will see it through and you will see where that vision takes you. Yeah. And I think also I would, and I suggest this to everyone who's starting their own business, is is definitely getting a good accountant. Um, So back in the early days, like to have that guiding of the bottom line so you're not working for nothing, to know that... Are you, is there money coming in? Are you covering your costs? And I think to this day, I've learned a lot more now from doing my MBA um, about financials, which has been a, a godsend, but knowing what's the bottom line? Are, are, you making, are, are you breaking even? Are you making profit? And I think that's a key person I would recommend people starting a business to putting that spreadsheet together, being like, what do I need to make um, and to make this viable? And, and what's your exit strategy? If I've been doing this for six months and put this much money in, when when's time to kind of walk away or, yeah. So I think that would definitely be a, a key recommendation. Okay. Well, I guess that probably leads on to one of um, the other things that I, I wanted to ask you, and maybe it is what you've just said there, but when you look back, and I, I guess, well, look, before I ask you about sort of the biggest lessons you've learned over the last sort of you know, eight, ten years or so, um, why don't we just have a, a little bit more of a, a chat about the journey? So you, you left the UK and you, you went to Australia and, and you set up Unite Health and you took on the APPI license there in Australia. Um, but that was your first time, I, I, I guess, of it being all yours because you had done a lot of stuff for us in the UK, but you know you were still salaried. You had you know that. That security, security <laughs> if you like, yeah, you know, um, yep. we had to make sure we could pay your salary. Um, yep. But then, you know, being on the other end when it is up to you to make it work for you to earn money and then you bring people on board and then you have responsibilities to make sure that they you know, they get their salaries paid and, and mortgages and what have you and the rest of it builds up from there. But why don't you take us um, sort of back through uh, that transition from getting back to Australia planning the business, setting it up, deciding where you're going to base yourself. I mean, you know, we had many chats in your front room and, um, you know, and then it sort of grew from there. So why don't you sort of, I guess, give the listeners out there a little bit of a, a uh, look back and summary of where you started and how it's grown for you over these last sort of many years. So I think, um, and it, it reminds me of your story, Glenn. So I think moving back from the UK, um, with my partner at the time and living with my parents because we had no money <laughs> and working out of kind of the bedroom um, for a couple of months. And I think uh, I distinctly remember my stepdad going, I think you should get a job. Like you could make 90K a year. And my mum being like, no, give this a go. Like you don't know what's going to happen. Um, so those first like, and like anyone, like it's, you don't know what you're doing. You're like, I need to get a website up. I need to make sales. I need, it's all on you. There's no one. Like there's, you don't know if the money's going to come in. So those first couple of months, I think I probably am a conservative person. Um, and so I did 
I remember I was teaching 20 hours a week classes um, for financial security. I also had a sales job as well, which I hated, um, but it was paying uh, quite a lot. And it, I was really torn between I need to dedicate more time to setting up the business versus that financial security. And I think it was probably after three or four months I made the, the call to, to quit the sales job because I hated it and my passion was in, in the business, but I couldn't dedicate enough time to it. And it was the best decision I ever made because we got the website up. Um, obviously moved out of my parents' house after a couple of months with my partner, which was good and uh, worked from home. So for the first year and a half of the business, I had a home office. Um, and I think after 12 months, I was really fortunate to be able to hire someone um, who had previously worked with us in the UK, Francesca Burgess, um, who been able to kind of, as soon as you were able to hire that first employee, it's just amazing and to have that kind of person to bounce those ideas off and the business kind of just doubled as soon as we hired her um, and it was just kind of proof in the pudding. So we, yeah, a year and a half before we then moved out to our first office and I just remember how exciting it was to sign a lease. Um, but again, had no idea what I was doing. Yeah. Um, I'm like, oh my gosh, they're committing money. Like an employee is one thing and then it's like 12 months, can we afford to pay pay the lease on it? Um, but yeah, I think one of those key things about where you put your energy um, as well. So being able to, I think that's the biggest fear for most people starting a business is walking away from those financially secure jobs and paying your mortgage, paying your bills. But it took me some time, but I was it was the best thing I ever did because now nine years on, we're in yeah very amazing position and, and very fortunate and, and very, yeah, yeah, very happy. Good. Well, well why don't you um, talk us through a little bit about um, the successes because you know, the, the business is growing a lot for you there in Australia and certainly over the last sort of three to four years, um, you know, you've really exploded for want of a better word in, in what you're doing there. So um, why don't you sort of give the rest of us a little bit of an idea about, um, you know, what it is you're doing there and, and maybe when you look back, what the key parts of your, your recent growth or expansion has been? So key, I think for us, so we were, I think, on, on the back of APPI, um, I think it's such a credible reputation in the clinical market. So for seven years, um, we ran the, the clinical Pilates training for allied health professionals in Australia, um, and, and we did well. We were always been the number one kind of provider in Australia, um, but to... I guess me not being a physio, my passion has always been um, kind of the Pilates course for, for those wishing to embark on a new career. So um, we're so happy when you guys launched it um, in the UK a couple of years ago and we brought it over to Australia two years ago and that's where we've seen such phenomenal growth, um, kind of been able to roll that out nationally um, to, to anyone wishing to embark on a Pilates career. So I think... Over the years, there's been lots of milestones. So kind of milestone one was obviously Office. Milestone two, um, we launched an online learning platform. Milestone three, finally getting five years ago, a dedicated education centre in Melbourne. Um, so we just have an office and we run courses. And so many months now, we've got back-to-back -back 
courses. So it's just a, a course venue. Um, and then finally having this Pilates uh, instructor training rolling out nationally. So I think the growth, I think we are, I always feel nervous about saying this, but we've been one of those fortunate businesses during COVID. Um, yeah, we've been able to just thrive. So we are so grateful. I always feel so bad saying it because I know so many businesses have struggled and how hard financially it's been. But yeah, we've been very, very lucky um, to, to really thrive over the last, last 12 months and, and the business has doubled. Wow. Um, a, a key, yeah, a key probably thing for me has been staff. Um, I could never have done this without some of the amazing people who've worked for me. Um, and I think that is kind of a recommendation for, for small businesses is who you hire. Um, and, and often you do, you have to pay people what they're worth. So you might be very nervous about a higher salary, but what it will bring into your business is you, you can't, yeah, you can't put a dollar figure on what that person will bring to the business. So I've had three people over the last nine years who have run the business like it was theirs. And yeah. that is what you're such a rare find as a business yeah. owner, as you know. Yeah. So, yeah. It is. Interesting. Well, um, tell us then, ballpark, ballpark sort of numbers in terms of um, how many people in, in Australia do you have on, on your training sort of roughly over the course of a year? Oh, I should have done some figures on that one. Um, probably a few thousand yeah. per year that we have a team I would have thought of, so. You have a lot of presenters yeah. now, right? How many presenters you got out there? We've got a team of like 45 presenters yeah. in Australia. Uh-huh. Um, there's five of us in head office, um, which we're still a very small business, but then we've got a lot of external um subcontractors we use for marketing and things like that so yeah the team is phenomenal um and again it comes down to that like it's the presenters at the end of the day who are passionate about pilates who are the face of the business who yeah are kind of key to our success yeah. anywhere in the world yeah exactly exactly um well uh I'm going to move on to to another topic in a, in a moment, but before we leave that sort of business side of it, um, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this would just you know love to um, hear any of those sort of lessons that you in your position now, if you had the chance to go back and talk to that you know, 23, 24 year old self that that joined us in the UK when you first came over, and if it was you starting a business again today. Um, what what were those key bits of advice would you give to your own self if you could go on back and talk to your sort of 23, 24-year-old Sarah back in the, in those days embarking on a business? I think the, the whole believing in yourself is just so key. Um, I guess the fears everyone has about everything Um I wish I could tell myself not to get stressed out about stuff. Like, don't sweat the small stuff. Like, the amount of times over the years mm-hmm. that you just get so stressed about something that's happened within the business or... And it, everything works out in the end. It, it, it usually does. And I, I wish I could, yeah, when I look back on some key events where you're like, oh, you got so stressed out. Yeah. Um, if you just slept on that for two weeks, everything would have been fine. So I think, yeah, I would definitely tell myself, 
don't sweat it. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it will work out. Keeping um, keeping that bigger goal in focus yeah, rather than yeah. than the small things that you know yeah. challenge us every day. Every day that you're just like, okay, this is this is full on and this is stressful, but you know what? There's going to be something else full on next week yeah. that happens. Um, and, and try to enjoy it yeah. as well. Yeah, that is key, enjoy, isn't it? Enjoy the wins. Yeah, because yeah. you're always reaching for the next thing and the next thing and you don't often reflect on, wow, what you've achieved. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a, that's a, good, a good lesson for many of us to take a moment out to, to look back at that, I think. Um, yeah. well, well, uh, let me ask you a little bit about um, the therapeutic yoga course if it's okay um it's something that i understand you were um quite heavily involved in we've brought it over here to the uk it's been a massive hit over here um so why don't you tell me a little bit more about sort of how that evolved and the partnership and and sort of that process because i know that you became quite uh quite i'm not sure what the right word is but you you threw yourself quite heavily into yoga for a little while there yeah, so I ended up doing my yoga teacher training probably six years ago now and fell in love with it as well. Um, was just like, ah, oh, amazing. This is just, yeah, just kind of that definitely mind-body connection again. Um, and then just thought, wow, there's such a, a opportunity in the market to develop a yoga training for um, clinicians since we were already running the, the clinical Pilates courses with APPI. Um, so went and really needed to find kind of that expert in the field. Um, so we, we did run one course with someone and it was an absolute flop. <laughs> um, and so it was back to the drawing board and met the amazing Irene Ace, um, who hopefully a, a few of you have got to meet, who is just a phenomenal human in every way um and and she was kind of we met at the the right time that she was looking to do something like this um we were looking to to build a, a training like this um and i think had i not done my yoga training and had that exposure to it um it, it would never have got off the ground so kind of saw that gap in the market to to release um a training like this and i think the interesting thing about this training is that I think people walk away not only knowing that you'll be able to use it with your clients, but how much you get you get from it yourself, from a kind of your own personal journey um, with yoga. If you haven't experienced yoga, you do get so many, yeah, aha moments. Um, so not only amazing for your clients, but definitely kind of amazing for your own journey as well. So, yeah, just think of the world of Irene and, and we've been so fortunate we've been running it for about six years now um you guys have been running it in the UK um yeah, yeah it's it's just a, a beautiful course it is yeah yes very popular over here um so if you are listening to it and you haven't uh, uh had a look at that yet please please do it's um we've got level one online as well now um so it's a uh a, a great avenue. We certainly get very good feedback from those that have been on the course over here for sure. Um, all right. Well, look, um, I won't take up too much of your, more of your time, Sarah, but let me ask you um, a few sort of final questions. I'm going to take you slip back to the, the Pilates side a little bit here for our listeners as well. Um, 
you obviously have, have done Pilates and taught Pilates for a long time now. So we have a few sort of common questions we ask all our guests as we go through the podcast here. So can you tell me from the Pilates movement, and it can be mat, machine, anything you like, um, what's your sort of favourite Pilates move and why? So my, I did have an injury. I saw a physio um, a year ago. I ruptured my Achilles tendon uh-huh. and hands down my favourite movement is shoulder bridge. And I think it always was shoulder bridge. I love this final articulation. Um, now I need to do it all the time for rehab. Um, yeah. And I think, yeah, there's just something about it. Shoulder bridge. Okay. Yeah, definitely yep. favourite. It's a, it's a staple, isn't it? I think... Uh, a staple. Yes, gosh. I, I, I'm thinking back of all the clients that I saw in clinic just today, and I, I can't think of any of them that I didn't give shoulder bridge to, if I'm honest. <laughs> um, so yep. good call. I, I like that one. Um, all right. I asked this of, of Lise um, when we had a chat uh, late last year, but if you were to start your own Pilates studio today and you could only have two pieces of equipment in there, what what would they be? What would you go for? Definitely a reformer, staple. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you had the space, um, Cadillac as well. Okay. It's just a nice combo. Yeah. yeah. What, what is it about the Cadillac? What do you like about the, the Cadillac? Oh, I think it's like with every piece of Pilates equipment, there's just so many, it's like, the same exercises on the floor to the reformer to the cat like it's like brand new so all of a sudden you've just got so many different yeah a wealth of exercises that not only your clients think brand brand new because it's on a different piece of equipment and there's subtle changes so yeah yeah i think definitely recommend those okay all right good good well look let me ask you one one final thing and and that is right now much of the world is in lockdown, everyone's going through their own personal challenges and sort of mental health is sort of big on the agenda and trying to find your your own space and your own sort of mind space, if you like. And, and with your experience in terms of, you know, having travelled a lot through the world, your Pilates experience, your yoga experience, the lessons you've learned doing your master's in business and running a successful business, what is it for you that helps you cope with everything that happens in your day? What's your, how do you de-stress or relax or switch off? What's that side of life for Sarah? I think given, and this will go out to everyone, like how horrendous last year was, I had a lot of anxiety, um, which I know a lot of people did. And I I really feel for you guys still being in lockdown because it's just, it's so tough, but I think hands down meditation and exercise are not negotiables and I've really after last year Mm. learnt that it's essential like you have to look after yourself because you can't look after anyone else so yeah I really struggled with a lot of anxiety with the business with studying last year with COVID and yeah it's every time you have those tough times you need to meditate and exercise without fail and I think it's you need to do it in the good times so then it becomes ingrained in the bad times because they're the things that, that will just help. So, yes, yeah, self-care is number one and your health, physical and mental well-being because without them you have nothing. 
Mm. Interesting. I like that concept of them being non-negotiables. That's an oh, interesting I, way to put it. I, I think I, I need to take that on fridge. board. Do you? Oh, Glenn, I have a poster on my fridge, self-care, non-negotiable meditation yeah, and exercise okay. every day. It's a must. Okay. And I'm like, if I don't, I can't help anyone else. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Very good. Well, look, um, Sarah, thank you very much for your time joining us. Um, you are an inspiration to this day to, to many people, certainly to uh, Elisa and I. We still get inspired by seeing everything that you're doing there in Australia and what you've done for, for APPI as a, a name and a training organisation there is, is second to none. So um, I'm sure that uh, many people listening to this will be inspired by your story. Um, you've done such amazing things on so many different levels so to everything you have achieved uh, uh congratulate you on all of that i have a very strong suspicion you haven't even started yet what uh the future holds will be phenomenal <laughs> to see um but look um, on behalf of all of us here at appi and to our listeners uh, around the world we want to thank you very much for your time and uh for sharing your sort of life lessons with us and a big thank you to yourself and Elisa because without you guys, this, yeah, it never would have happened. And, and hands down, you both are the most inspirational people um, and kind people I've ever known. So, <laughs> yeah, funny. hats off to you guys because I feel very fortunate to have met you guys and, and be able to go on this amazing journey. Oh, well, thank you. That's kind of you. All right, well, I'll let you get on with the rest of your day. We're going to uh, head to bed here in the UK and um, <laughs> we will... Uh, see all of you guys on the next episode in a month's time. Take care, Sarah. Great. Thanks so much, Glenn. Bye. Bye. And welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the chat that we had there with Sarah. Um, we have much more content coming your way over the coming months. But as always, we are keen to hear from yourselves as to what it, were, what it is that you want us to cover any questions that you want me to address, please send them in to us at info at appihealthgroup.com. Um, please follow us on our relevant handles at APPI Health Group on Instagram at Elisa Withers and at glenn.withers.physio. Um, follow us for all of the insights and information that we put out there on a regular basis. Um, apart from that, all there is left for me to say is thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much, Sarah Todd, for your time. And I look forward to speaking to you all again in the Pilates 101 podcast next month. Bye for now.